Hello and welcome to The Root Gospel Ministries. We're so glad you're here. I'm Josh and this is Sam. Our mission includes spreading the gospel, cultivating fellowship, and pointing to Christ, all while incorporating the Word of God to help serve God, community, and the world. Hey everyone, welcome to Old Chem. We are here in uh, the language department building and uh, I'm just happy to have you all here. This is uh, the home department for one of my majors, which is Spanish. And so, um, yeah, it's a pretty cool little courtyard we're in and uh, I'm really excited to get to the message today. We'll be talking about the character of Moses and specifically his call. And this goes along with the message that we gave or that I gave, I guess, last week. Um, on discerning God's call. So if you haven't listened to that message, I do recommend you go back and and listen to it. Um, It's not necessary or some sort of requirement, but I think it'll help this message make more sense um, and, I don't know, maybe give a little bit more content and um, meaning to this message. So, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about the call of Moses, and specifically we'll be focusing on the topic of uh, inadequacy or feeling inadequate for your call. and we'll really get to dive deep into that. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know if this will be as much of focusing on, on what God calls you to, but it'll be more focusing on um, our response to God's call in a way. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm happy to have you guys here. I hope your finals week is going well if it just started or if it's coming up. Um, good luck with the finals. I know it's pretty stressful. Um, so just, yeah, remember to rest in God and that he's got it all covered. Um, and these finals, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they don't mean that much. They're, they're not necessarily, they're not eternal in any way. So I, I want you guys to know that it's, you know, a truth I have to remind myself pretty much every day. So, um, yeah, but before we really get to the message, I think we should say a prayer. Um, and then we'll do some background studying about Moses and the Israelites. So um, if you join me in prayer. Dear Father, uh, thank you so much just for all of the wonderful provisions in our life. Thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. Father, I pray that you can speak through me in this message today and you can reach those that are, that are here to listen. I, I pray you give them ears to hear and soften hearts for the message. I, I pray that uh, not only that you teach them, but you teach me in this subject um, and, and that you help us find our call in you and, and um, just that we can honor and glorify you in everything that we do. That, that is, um, as Christians, our, our greatest call is just to, to love and glorify and honor you. Um, Father, I, I pray that uh, we might love others with the, the love that you give us, that you have for us, and that we might see others in that same way, that, the way that you see us. Um, thank you for reconciling lost hearts to you and um, just being such a gracious and loving Savior. Please uh, just help us to learn a little bit more about Moses and uh, help us realize that, you know, we are inadequate, but with Christ, it doesn't matter. We are more than adequate with him. So thank you so much for Christ and uh, the great blessing of salvation. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, uh, yeah, before we, what we want to start with is some background to the story in case uh, we don't know or we want a quick refresher, but um, kind of the call of Moses, is, it's not an obscure story. I would say that a lot of you guys have heard about the burning bush or something like that. 
Um, that's definitely stuff that we'll be talking about today, but maybe let's kind of see like how we got there. And we're not going to go all the way back to creation story, but we're really going to see uh, that the Israelites are in Egypt, kind of uh, where we jump into the story in Exodus 3. And so the Israelites are in Egypt. That's kind of because uh, of Joseph and, and, and Jacob's family all came down and stayed with Joseph because of the famine. Um, but then, you know, Joseph didn't live forever. He eventually died. And um, Joseph was, of course, very important in, in the kingdom, of the, I guess the Egyptian kingdom at the time. And uh, after he died, there, the Israelite power within, I don't know, the, the government in Egypt kind of fell, fell out. It, it got strained out, and there was a new pharaoh in power. And after that happened, the Israelites became less of you know, honorable guests and more of slaves in the country of Egypt. And so um, that's kind of, you know, the background. Now, now this person that we've been talking about, his name is Moses. And in the time uh, that we, we catch up to him, he is already out in the wilderness. But what happened, how he got to the wilderness, he was actually born in Egypt as an Israelite to a Levite family. Um, but then there was an order to kill all of the firstborn or all the sons. And so, um, you know... Moses' mom put him in a basket and she put him down the river and and he was um, discovered by the Pharaoh's daughter who then raised him and brought him up and he was kind of like a prince-ish in the um, Egyptian Egyptian kingdom until at one point um, he went out, he was aware that he was an Israelite, that he was a Hebrew and he saw that um, an Egyptian was kind of, we'll say maybe abusing or uh, physically hurting some an, another Hebrew, another Israelite, and uh, and so Moses actually killed this man. And then after he killed this man, when, well, when he killed this man, he thought, you know, nobody saw. It's not a big deal. But of course, that's not the case. Somebody saw, and later he saw some Hebrews, and he was rejected by the Israelites, the Hebrews, uh, because they were like, you know, are you going to kill us too? Are you going to? You know, are you some murderer or something like that? And then, you know, he, of course, when Pharaoh found out about it, Pharaoh's like, well, I, I want to kill you. you. You can't just kill an, Is- or an Egyptian. So, you know, at this point, now everybody in Egypt hates, hates Moses. And so he felt rejected kind of by both sides. And he fled out to the wilderness or an area called Mil- Midian. And, and that's where um, he got married. And he, uh, he kind of lived out there for a good while. I think he was like about 80 years old or so when he got called. Um, so that's just some background. Um, now we're kind of getting back into what, what's going on here. So um, we're going to see that, that God calls Moses. And then Moses is going to respond to God's call in different ways. And then God is going to respond to Moses' response, just kind of like a conversation. And this should be even some sort of posture that we take um, in prayer, in communication with God, that, you know, when, when God speaks to us in whatever way it might be, um, we can respond. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with responding. I think we should respond, and God will respond to us. And, and it may not be the response that we like, or it might be a response of, of no response, but no response is still a response. Um, and so, there are different kind of ways that we might converse with God, but I, I just want us to realize that you know, what Moses does here in his call and his story is something that we can do today, um, and especially because we have Christ. This is something that we definitely can do as we have the Spirit with us. So um, 
We're really going to catch up here in, in uh, chapter 3 is where we're starting. We're going to go to verse 2. So this is essentially right when Moses was called. He is, he's a shepherd out in the wilderness. And uh, this is what verse 2, I'm going to read 3, verse 2 through 5. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him, and a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, he is Moses. The bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Then the, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. So there are a couple of things I want us to observe out of this quick little passage right here. Um, one part is that it says God called to him. I think that, uh, you know, that, that word call can be used in so many different ways. It can mean so many things. But I think it's cool just that it kind of has a double meaning, right? This is talking about God calling Moses by name. That's something else that I think is really important. He knows Moses' name. Uh, but also, you know, he's calling him to something greater, to to his, his greater plan, God's, God's plan to reconcile the Israelites, his people, back to him. Um, so he, he's got this whole call for Moses. And yeah, you might just say like, oh, you know, I called Sam. Or like, hey, Sam, what's up? And you can say like, I was, I was calling your name or something like that. But this is also like more than that. There's, there's more in that call. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a little bit of background there. And uh, furthermore, we're going to be, I can't read this whole story with every little detail out of the Bible. That would take too much time. So uh, what we'll do is we'll kind of skip around um, to different passages. So now we've seen that God has, has called Moses, but we haven't really seen to what God has called Moses. So that's what we're going to examine next. We're going to look here. Uh, chapter 3, verse 10 uh, talks about the specific call or what God is calling Moses to do. So this is what verse 10 says. And God speaking to Moses, it says, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So it's pretty, pretty black and white. His call is that he's going to lead the people uh, of Israel out of, the, out of Egypt. And um, more, we'll see that uh, later, I think somewhere around like verse 20-ish, he kind of talks about where they're going to go, which they kind of call the land of milk and honey or they talk about the Canaanites, the land of Canaan. Um, so that's, that's where they're going. But right now what we need to know is just that God has called Moses to bring the people, to lead the people out of Egypt, out of their slavery. Um, and so you know, this is the first uh, just kind of aspect of the call. Uh, but Moses already is ready to respond. He doesn't just sit there and he's like, oh, okay, like cool. And then he doesn't do anything about it or something. He, he responds, he asks a question, um, and so let, let's see what Moses says. This comes in verse 11. This is Moses' first response. Um, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Okay, so now we're kind of starting to get into the meat of this message. What, what, what we're talking about, we said, was inadequacy and how we might feel inadequate to what God calls us to do. Um, and here is immediately Moses' heart on the subject. He doesn't hold anything back. He's honest. He says, who am I to go and, and bring the people out of Egypt? Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not powerful. I'm not important. Even more, 
I'm pretty much hated by everybody in this land. The Israelites don't like me. The Egyptians don't really like me. I, I fled for a reason. Like, why, why me? You know, I'm just, I'm just a nobody. Pretty much a hated nobody at this point. Um, and I think that uh, we can all kind of say that about ourselves. We might maybe not, maybe we haven't killed someone and made enemies like that. Uh, but we have uh, similar circumstances where we're saying like, well, who am I to do this awesome, wonderful thing that God has called me to do? Um, but God has a response. He doesn't just leave Moses hanging or let him think like kind of wallow into this like spinning sorrow and you know, depression about who he is and what he's called to do. Um, Moses, or I mean, sorry, God immediately responds. and He says, uh, this is God speaking, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So what's, what's most important, I think, in this uh, response is that God says, I will be with you, right? And, and so we need to know something about God's call. This isn't just like someone asking you to do a task. It's not like when you have an assignment on Canvas that you got to turn in on Tuesday or something like that. It's more than that. God is with you and in, in your call, and it's essential that God is with you on your call. Without God's presence, it would be really difficult, I think, impossible to actually fulfill our call. Um, so it's really important that God says he's going with you. And, and furthermore, um, a lot of times when God says or when it's like said in the Old Testament, like God will be with you, this indicates that not only God will be with you, but his power will be with you. It's kind of like this, this powerful type of statement. And so it's like, I will be with you. And even though you're a nobody, like you will have my power. And it's like, well, you know, and, and we'll get to see more about, learn a little bit more about God. But like what we know already about God is that like he is, he is God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. And having that power with you is like pretty serious. You've got some serious power on your hands. Um, but Moses responds to God's response. He's not fully convinced that he's ready to go on this journey and, and uh, kind of fulfill this call yet. So Moses responds in verse 13 to what God said in verse 12. He says, um, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So basically Moses is like, what's your name? And, and this is like, an important question for many different reasons. Something that I think is a little bit lost in our culture and society today is we don't have as much emphasis on names. Like names back then mean a lot. They, they kind of describe who you are. Uh, they, they tell a lot about you. And so he's kind of almost trying to learn a little bit more about this person who's calling him. Um, but also he's like, you know, what am I just supposed to say? Like, because they're in they're in a pagan area where there are like millions of different gods for the for the Egyptians, and so he goes over there and he's like, "Hey, like this this greater being called me." They'll be like, "Oh, is he like the god of the sun or the moon or the cats or the water or this or that?" So he's like, "Who specifically are you, God? Like, and how do I let them know that like you're God and not just like a god?" And so God responds to this, and he says uh, in verse 14, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. 
the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So God's response is, uh, I am who I am. I am Yahweh. That's, that's the word that is kind of encompassed. The, the Hebrew term is, is Yahweh. And um, that is like a very powerful term. This, this word is kind of trying to encompass God's sovereignty. And I, I briefly remember, I vaguely remember briefly reading about the, the word Yahweh and saying that it's not one that's like, that was able to be pronounced with like the power that they, they meant for it to have. Like the, the word Yahweh is supposed to encompass the sovereign power of God. Of course, that's impossible to do in language, but I think it's probably the closest that we can get. Um, and so this is meant to be a very powerful word, and it's only used um, when it's talking about the sovereignty, the, the ultimate sovereignty of God. And so it's like this should also instill confidence in Moses because uh, God has told Moses that he's going to be with him, and now he's just told Moses that he is like sovereign over all. He is the great I am. And so, you know, then he kind of talks a little bit more about where Moses will be taking the Israelites and a little bit more details about this call. Um, but we're going to skip down to Moses' response to that. And that comes in chapter 4, verse 1. Um, so this is what it says. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And I think that this response is one of the most, like, uh, precedented responses or justified responses because it's like if I just came up to you and I was like hey listen listen like God told me that I was going to take you you know from your school and I'm going to you know take you to another place like let's just leave what you're doing right now I know you it's pretty hard work you don't really like it here um I know you kind of want to leave but also like God told me to tell you that I'm just going to take you and we're just going to go like let's just get out of here like, you'd just be like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, I, why, why should I believe that God told you that? And, but also, I think this is kind of a testament or some sort of um, talking about how, what Moses believes or knows about God at this point. Um, Moses is saying that people won't believe. Yet, I think this also represents the doubt that Moses has um, in, in the ability for the people to recognize that he truly was you know, anointed by God, that, that he has a call directly from God. Like, if God is all sovereign, why couldn't he make the people recognize that, you know, Moses was sent by him to bring them out? Um, and so this is a little bit of a lack of trust in the Israelites, and it's a little bit of a doubt in God, but it's also somewhat realistic. He's just kind of trying to pray, play it real and be like, I don't know if this is really going to work out, man. Um, but also we have to understand that he is talking to God. It's not just me talking to a friend that told me to tell you this or something like that. He is talking with the all-sovereign God. So in verse 2, uh, we see God's response. And, and this is a cool one. So he says, um, The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? Moses says, A staff. And God says, Throw it to the ground. So he threw, he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he went out and put he went and put his hand out and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. 
then God says, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And then when he took it out, behold, it was restored to the likeness of his flesh. It says, and then it says, if they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. And if they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. So now Moses is getting some, he's getting equipped, right? God is equipping Moses to, to speak to these people. And so um, kind of what we see is that Moses is like, you know, God, how am I, how are these people going to believe? And he's, he's like doubting his call. He's doubting his ability to fulfill this call. And God understands that and furthermore equips him to fulfill this call. So that's something that I think we should recognize is that God will give us the necessary um, components to fulfill our call. Some other things that we see about God or what, what he does and how he equips Moses is he, he chooses like three ways. And, and these three ways are uh, he, he turns the staff into a serpent um, or snake, and then uh, he, lets, he, he changes Moses' hand, we'll say, into a leprous one, and then he changes it back. And then lastly, he is able to turn water into blood. So there are three, three different kind of, we'll say, tools maybe to help make the Israelites able to understand that he really is sent by God. Now, um, of these tools... There's, there's like meaning behind them. They're not just like tools. They're not just random. This kind of shows more about God's sovereignty. It, it talks about how um, God has power and the ability to give us power over creatures of the earth, with the snake. Um, and then he also is able to have power, give us power over people on the earth with his hand becoming leprous and then clean again. And then um, elements of nature with turning water to blood. So God has power over all these things that, and oftentimes we think, you know, we as humans don't really have the ability to change these things. You know, like we might be afraid of snakes. I think that's, I'm pretty afraid of snakes. They kind of freak me out. They seem to freak out Moses too as he ran away. Um, but, you know, God has the ability to control snakes or, or any animal. And then, you know, people are, are, like, we can already see that Moses doubts the Israelites. We don't always trust people, and, you know, I think that's somewhat precedented. But um, in, in another way, it's that God has power over people, um, over me, over you, over all people. Um, and, and lastly, elements of nature, that's something that we, like, definitely can't control. We're always, like, right now it's raining, and we about recorded this message outside. So I'm glad that we're recording inside, because now it's raining, but... Um, you know, we have no power over Mother Nature. We have no power over nature, uh, but God does. And so um, that's just another thing. And these aren't just to affirm or confirm to the Israelites that God sent Moses. This is also so that Moses, who is seemingly insecure in this position, in this circumstance, can be affirmed that it truly is God who is sending him. These, all these things happened, uh, as it says, and so Moses has got to be like, okay, like, th- this is God. I mean, he just used me to do all these things. Like, you know, I haven't experienced anything like this before. Um, so 
Moses responds again to this, and, and this response is recorded in verse 10. Uh, this is what it says. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. So Moses is like, listen, listen. I'm not a very good speaker. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very good at speaking. And he's focusing on, on his weakness. He's, he's aware of kind of what this call entails. He knows that when he goes to Pharaoh, he's going to have to appear before the court and he's going to have to talk to Pharaoh. And, you know, he, he lived in Egypt for a while. So he understands how this goes. And he knows that he's not a very good speaker. Um, and he's just looking straight at his weakness. And I think this is something that we commonly do when we're called. We think, okay, God's called me to do this. And then we're like, okay, all right. And then soon our, our minds kind of wander and we're like, well, okay, but listen, listen. Like, that sounds great. I, I love what I've been called to, but I don't know. I'm not very good at X, Y, or Z. So you know what? I'm just going to pass out on this one. I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's all good. Someone else can figure it out. I'm not very good at speaking. I'm not very good at, you know, talking to people or um, being out of my comfort zone or preaching the gospel or something like that. So I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. Not a big deal. Moses is like, you know, you, you shouldn't have called me. I'm a bad speaker. He's focusing right on his weakness. And so let's see how God responds to this. So uh, in verse 11 through 12, God says, um, who has made man's mouth and who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. So it's like, okay, okay, this guy, he, he responds again that, uh, in a way that points to his sovereignty, that, that God is Lord over all and definitely Lord over his creation, right? Um, he's saying that he can work through his creation, and, and that's something that Moses seems to have forgotten and something else that, something that we often forget as well is that God can work through us. We can be his vessel. Um, so, you know, if, if you're not very good at sharing the gospel, God can help you. He will be your mouth. If you're, you know, in whatever circumstance, God will provide what you need to fulfill your call. So it's like, you know, he's pretty much, Moses is like, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? And, Mo, and God's like, well, I got that. I got that. I got that. Like, you can't, you can't get past God here. He's, he's got it all covered. Um, but of course, Moses has still got one more thing to say. Um, what, I think the word that I was kind of doing some research on that I would use to describe what Moses is saying, these, these complaints, I, I looked it up. I think the word is a, a bleat, B-L-E-A-T. Um, and it's just like some like whiny complaint or something like that. It's kind of how I see Moses here. He's like, but why me? Like, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. Um, and so lastly, Moses says in verse 13, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And isn't that how you feel sometimes? Isn't that how we feel? We're like, oh, my goodness. Just, just not me. Just someone else. You, you can choose anybody in the world and you choose me for this. And then you're like, oh, man, just, just send someone else. And I think last week we kind of, something I want to talk about and that is expressed here is like, we often kind of morph what we think our calling is into what we want our calling to be. And so then when our calling turns out to be something that's not easy and um, maybe not even, you know, what we would consider fun, 
then we're like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to do this. Um, and Moses is like, this, this seems pretty hard. It's, it's not easy. Just send someone else. You know, Moses might think like, you know, maybe my calling is to like go and take all my sheep and build a huge house outside in the wilderness where I don't have to speak to anybody and just like hang out there with my kids and my wife. But if he does that, who's going to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You know, it's like God has a specific call for Moses and it might be hard, but it's what he's meant to do. And, you know, if you know a little bit more about the Old Testament, you get to see how important what how important Moses is to the story in the reconciliation story of people to God. He's a very important character, yet he doesn't even want to fulfill his call. So what does God respond to Moses saying, oh, just send someone else? Uh, It starts in uh, verse 14. It says, Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be your mouth and and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. So again, we see that God equips Moses to fulfill his call. I, I think that's one of the, like, it's repeated on purpose. None of, the, none of this stuff just, like, is repeated for, for no reason or by coincidence. This happens on purpose. God's sovereignty is emphasized over and over again because God is sovereign. God's provision for Moses fulfilling his call is emphasized over and over again because that's true about God. Um, and so now we're going to kind of really get into the application. So here's the truth. God's going to call you to something that you truly are inadequate for, I guess, for which you are inadequate, if we use proper grammar. So um, it's just the truth. Nothing that we can do will make us adequate. We are lowly sinners who, you know, make mistakes all the time. We have sinful hearts, sinful minds. We live in a sinful world. Um, We have weaknesses. We aren't perfect. Um, and, And so you know, whatever God has called us to do in his wonderful, beautiful plan, we are going to be inadequate due to our sinful nature. But God has mercy on us, and he knows that, you know, we are sinful. He is aware of that. And he's not just going to leave you out there to figure it out on your own. Um, he, he has a plan for you and for me and for all of us. And furthermore, he has redeemed us and given us the power of Christ. And so, through Christ, we are redeemed, and that allows God, or um, is a way that God works through us, and, you know, in the gospel, we see that we are all broken sinners. It's the truth about us. We are all broken sinners, Uh, but Christ came and died not only while we were still sinners, uh, but we didn't do anything that deserved this this death that God, or that Jesus, um, suffered for us, and he did that not because we could have done anything, but because he loved us, right? We see all of these things. God obviously loves Moses. He is providing for Moses so that he may help, you know, fulfill his call. God, God loves Moses. God loves you. God loves me. And he will provide so that you may fulfill your call um, just as God provided the ultimate sacrifice so that we may be reconciled back to him, so that we may have communion to him. And so in Jesus' death, and resurrection, we receive the ultimate power of God, the ultimate all-sovereign power of God. And that is something that should encourage us when we feel like we're inadequate to our calling. So um, I kind of want to look at a quote from Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10. This is what it says. But he, God, said to me, who is Paul, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We'll close here in just a second. So I just want to end with a kind of a quick synopsis of what we learned and just kind of going through things that we see in Moses that are our doubts and then God's responses to our doubts um, when we are called. So I want you to know that we are called um, and that, that you know, discerning your call is, is um, something that we spoke about earlier in, in the previous message. So if you're like, well, you know, this message doesn't apply to me, Josh. Like, this is a great message. I like what you said, whatever. Maybe you think it's a bad message. That's okay. Um, but you might say, well, it doesn't apply to me because I'm not called. And if I hear you say that, I think, you know, maybe you should go re-listen to the first message because it talks about how, you know, in God's body, we all have a specific spot. We all have a specific place and we're all called to a little specific thing. It might not be super huge or flashy, but you all, you all have a place in God's family. Um, and so now we're going to kind of just go back through and, and see, uh, you know, kind of doubts or questions that we might bring up to God when we hear or discern our call. So the first one we see from Moses is kind of, I'm a nobody, right? Everybody here is a nobody. We're all nobodies. Um, I'm, I'm nobody special. I'm just a college student here. Um, you know, I'm no different from you or the other person sitting next to you. I'm, I'm just a college student. Um, and you might say something else about yourself. Maybe you say, I'm a high school student, or, you know, I just work at Menards, or something like that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Moses was just a shepherd, so was David. Like, Jesus was a carpenter. You know, God uses, um, God uses anybody. You don't have to, you know, be somebody huge, super powerful, um, super popular. God will use you. And, and this is what God says to that. He says, I will be with you, and I will redeem you. So when we say, I'm a nobody, God says, I will be with you and I will redeem you. Next, we see, uh, we might say, well, is it really God calling me? Like, am I just hearing this? Am I just thinking this? Is this just what I want to do? Or is this really God? And this is how God responds to that. He says, I am all sovereign and I am with you. That it, is, it is the all sovereign God that is calling us. It's not just somebody else or something else. It is God calling us. He is with us. So then we might say, well, okay, okay. How might others respond? Because this is something that we need to know. In our calling, we shouldn't be people-pleasing, right? That's, that's important. We should be, you know, working to please God and, you know, just, just to do this out of love for the Father because he first loved us. So how does God respond to us saying, well, how will others respond to this? And, and God says, I will empower you with the necessary resources to carry out your call and allow the right people to recognize and affirm it. Not everybody thinks that or thought that Moses was called by God, you know? Not, not everybody thought that. Um, definitely the Egyptians thought something different. <laughs> I'm not really sure what. They were probably like, what's this guy doing? Um, but, you know, not everybody's going to say like, oh, that guy's called by God. But the right people will affirm the message of God. He will, he will prompt them to confirm and affirm your call. Um, and, and he will empower you and give you the necessary resources and tools and, and equip you so that you may fulfill your call. Um, but then we might say, well, listen, God, I, I'm weak. I'm not very good. I have all these things that I'm not really good at that you're kind of calling me to do. Like, yeah, yeah, you might have used some of my strengths. I might be 
a good speaker, but I don't really like talking about deep topics or this or that. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm weak. So how does God respond to us saying that I'm weak? He says, I made you and I will work through you. In your weakness, you are made strong through Christ. That's the truth. Um, and lastly, the question we might ask is, well, God, why me? You know, out of everybody here, why me? Send somebody else. And uh, God's response to that is, you are who I have chosen, and I will send you help along the way, and I will be with you on the journey. So he's not going to leave us. It's not like you're just kind of all on your own. God will be with you, but you are who he's chosen for this specific job. If he, if Moses didn't, you know, if Moses said, I'm just going to go like hang out and be a shepherd, like, you know, Moses wouldn't have been this character that he is. God had a specific call for Moses. And we see what happens when, when you fulfill your call. Um, so yeah, that's all I got for you guys this week. I really appreciate everybody sticking with me. Um, yeah, I hope everybody does well in their finals. Um, I'm really excited because I'll be home soon. You guys will be home soon and we'll get to meet in person. And that is awesome. And I can't wait for the summer with everybody. Um, if you have any questions, comments, um, even just uh, recommendations or anything, please, you can write them in the comments. You can visit our website. Um, anything would work. I hope you guys have a great week. I'll see you next week. Thank you.